In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fifth Sunday uh, of the Holy Great Fast, and we read in the scriptures the story about the paralytic man that was paralyzed for 38 years, seating by the pool of Bethesda, and how when Christ came to him, he, he had mercy on him and he healed them. And we see how this man responded to God's mercy, and actually every person that we see in the scriptures whom Christ has mercy on responds in a different way. This man responded a certain way according to his understanding of the miracle that was done to him. If you can imagine someone who is paralyzed for 38 years and he is very well aware of his paralysis and he sees all the healthy people and he sees the people that are able to walk around and do everything and yet he himself knows of his sickness and disease and he's sitting there unable to move. So when he was healed, of course, he recognized the greatness of this gift, this greatness of this miracle that was done, and he responded to God's mercy, and we're going to see how. Um, but we have to ask ourselves, how do we respond to God's mercy? Not everybody responds to God's mercy in, in a good way or in a thankful way. Um, and so we're going to speak briefly about a few ways that people can respond to the mercy of God. One way that people respond to God's mercy is by being unmerciful. We read this about the parable that Christ is speaking about a servant who owed the king 10,000 talents. And this man who could not pay back this debt of 10,000 talents, this is the equivalent of millions of dollars today. Um, he couldn't pay back this debt. And so his master uh, freed him from the debt. He said, okay, you don't have to pay this debt. But then when we read about this servant immediately after, he goes and he finds someone else who owes him money. And he asks him also, please have mercy on me and I'll pay you everything. And he refuses to have mercy on him. And then when the king or the, his master finds out, he says, what? I'm going to throw you in jail until you've paid every last penny. Because even though I was merciful to you and freed you your debt, you were not able to free the debt, which was much smaller of your other, um, your other fellow who, who owed you money. He says in Matthew 18, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So we ask ourselves, are we aware, do we realize how often God has mercy on us? Every time we judge another person or we curse another person, every time we have hateful thoughts toward another person, every time we feel that we are better than anyone else or that we look at other person with contempt or disdain, do we really understand how much God has had mercy on us that maybe we are like that man who has been by the pool for 38 years and God has healed us and God has mercy on us and God accepts us and, and, and frees us from our debt of these 10,000 talents and then we go and find our brother or our sister and we, even though their sin toward us could be my, much less than our sin toward God, and yet we refuse to forgive them their debt. This is a story actually of salvation. This 10,000 talents represents what it is that we would have to pay in order to go to heaven, which is impossible for us to pay. There is no amount of saving of money or good deeds or works that we would able to pay in order for us to go to heaven. That's what is this 10,000 talents. And so God is saying, what, I'm freeing you from this. I'm freeing you from this work of the law. I'm coming and through my grace, I'm offering you salvation. It is something you could never have achieved on your own. So, but what is our part? Our part is not to pay this debt because obviously this debt is too great for me. But what is our part? Our part is to forgive the debts of others. This is why when we say in the prayer, our father in the Lord's prayer, we say what? That we are forgiving other people, our tres their trespasses against us. So God has forgiven us our trespasses just as we forgive the trespasses of others. So this is the debt that we are called to, 
to pay and we're called to forgive just as God paid us. So one way that people respond unfortunately to God's mercy that we respond is actually by being unmerciful because we feel now that we have been freed from debt we go in to find those who have actually owe us a debt. Another way that we might respond to the mercy of God is through jealousy. We, we read about this in the parable of the prodigal son which we read a couple of weeks ago in Luke 15 verse 29 the older brother he says what lo these many years I have been serving you I never transgressed your commandment at any time and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends this older brother instead of him being joyful that his younger brother has been accepted and that he returned and he repented he what he instead felt jealous toward his younger brother how come my father is giving my younger brother all of these gifts and, and he is like the center of attention and I myself have been working for so many years and you never gave me anything. Sometimes when um, God has mercy on people or sometimes when people come to the church, maybe who have been far from the church for a long time, we might look at them with certain eyes. We might look at them and, and think to ourselves, who is this person who is coming now wanting to be accepted in the church after they've done all of these different sins and they've you know lived this lifestyle and so on. And sometimes we feel that um, these people do not deserve mercy or are jealous about the mercy that they do receive. We also read about this in the parable of the workers of the vineyard, of the vineyard when, when the, the vine owner goes and several hours during the day and he gets more workers to come and work in his vineyard. And he goes to those who are working in the first hour and he agrees with them on a wage. And he says, I, work for me and I will give you a denarius. And But throughout the whole day he goes and finds more and more and more workers until he finds finally workers that come at the 11th hour at the end of the day when the day is already done. And he ends up paying them the same wage as he paid for that, those people who work the entire day. And what do we find is that yes, those first hour workers were jealous of the 11th hour workers and said, how come they're getting paid the same as us, even though they, they worked so much less? When we see God have mercy on someone, how do we feel? Do we feel jealous that that person is being accepted? Do we look at ourselves and say, you know what, I have worked so much, I've done so much, I've gone to church so much, I've tithed so much, I've you know been kind and generous and all these things so much, I've fasted so much. And how come this person who came didn't do any of these things, how come that they're being accepted? This is actually a wrong idea of all the work that we do. The work that we do is not for our salvation. We are only saved through the grace of God. The work that we do should be an expression of love to God, not in order for us to be saved. If we find ourselves fasting because we want to be saved, or doing all these things because we want to be saved, all this good work, this is not how, how it should be. We are expressing our love to God through our works. We are expressing our faith to God through our works, not because we believe that these works will save us. God made it clear that no work, no amount of good work, this 10,000 talent debt that we are called to pay, this is, this is impossible for us to pay. There will be no amount of good work we can do for our salvation. So when we work, we do so because we love God, because we want to join with God, because we want to work with God, because we want to see God's mercy done in the world through us and through the work that we do. So we ask ourselves, do we rejoice when someone comes to God, when someone repents, or are we jealous because of what it is that they have done? Some people, when they see God's mercy, they respond in anger. We see an example of this with the prophet Jonah. When Jonah went and he preached to the Ninevites and they repented, what was Jonah's response? It says what in Jonah 4 verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry because he wanted those Ninevites to be destroyed. And even when he went to go to preach to them, he did so begrudgingly. He tried to get out of it. He tried to run away. 
because he did not want them to be saved. He wanted them to be destroyed because he hated them. And because he hated them, he didn't want mercy on them. Sometimes we think about our own enemies. You know, the Ninevites were the enemies of Israel. This is why Jonah did not want them to be saved. We think about our own enemies, those people who have hurt us, those people who have treated us with disdain or with hatred. And maybe we hate them in return. And maybe we don't want them to be saved. Maybe we don't want them to forgive, be forgiven. Maybe we want them to experience the same pain that they inflicted on us. And so when God comes and he says, what, I forgive them, we are not willing to forgive. Maybe God is, it's much easier actually for God to forgive than it is for us to forgive. If I see that this person who maybe has hurt me, who has repented, who comes to the church, how do I look toward them? Do I look toward them as someone who does not deserve to be here? Someone who is just, you know, putting, is, is fake. Someone who, who, you know, if only everybody knew what it is that this person had done to me or what it is that this person is, they would never even allow him to enter the door. But actually, these people, these Ninevites, they were openly sinful. There was nothing hidden about them at all. And yet God went to them and he, he loved them and he wanted their salvation and he knew that they had potential, which is why when he sent Jonah the prophet there, it was not in vain. It was not in vain that he sent them. And Jonah himself, he knew that they would repent. This is why we tried to get out of it. He knew that if he goes there, then they will, be, they will repent. He knew that God was sending him there for that reason. And he did not want to be the man that, that would be known in all of Israel, that he is the one who uh, prevented the destruction of their enemies. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we feel when our enemies come and they repent and they change? Do we feel bitterness toward them? Do we feel like they are not being authentic? Or are we joyful, just as heaven is joyful, with God that these people have come and have um, returned from, from, from the place where they were. There are also some good positive ways that we respond to God's mercy. One is humility. Moses received mercy from God whenever he killed the Egyptian and then he fled. Okay, how, how, did, how did Moses receive mercy? Because he was allowed to flee. God allowed him to flee. If, if he was caught by the Egyptians for what he had done when he killed um, the, 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 uh, the Egyptian man who was hurting a Hebrew man, then what is it that would have happened to him? He would have been killed for what it is that he had done. So God received mercy from God by allowing him to flee. But not only for allowing him to flee, but Moses spent 40 years in the desert. Moses spent 40 years in the desert being humbled. And it says about him in Numbers chapter 12, it says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. And how is it that he received this humility? I mean, we always ask that we want to be humble. This hum humility is a virtue. But we have to be careful for what we ask for. Because if I ask God to, to humble me, then we have to be prepared for what it is that might happen. I might have an experience like Moses, where I spend 40 years in the desert, so to speak. And it's going to be a very painful and humiliating process. We say we want humility, but we don't want humiliation. Actually, those are the same thing, the same word. Humiliation and humility are the same word. If I want to, if I want to be a humble person, then oftentimes I have to receive humiliation and I have to endure humiliation for a time in order to break my pride, in order to break the sense in me that I deserve better than this. So that when someone offends me, instead of feeling inside of myself angry and hateful toward them and feeling that I deserve better, instead I feel, no, maybe this is what I deserve. Instead of feeling this, maybe I, I, instead I feel a sense of forgiveness toward them. I feel that maybe my sins are not any better or, or than this person. So that I don't feel this hang, anger or hatred toward them, but all I feel is humility. When Moses spent 40 years in the desert, it humbled him. 
all the greatness that he was as a prince of Egypt, all the things he experienced in Egypt, and then suddenly he was nothing. He was, he was doing nothing. He was wandering around in the desert caring for sheep, and that's all he did. And this was actually a way that he responded to the mercy of God, that he allowed himself to be humbled, and he, he accepted it, and he did not run from this. Another way that we respond to the mercy of God is with worship. What happened to this paralytic man that we read about today? After he received the mercy of God and God told him, Go and sin no more, lest the worst thing happen to you. We read in verse 15, in verse 14, sorry. It says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. This man, he actually went into the temple. He went to go worship God. You know, he didn't just run away. He didn't just go and he tried to make his life back again to the way that it was. He went into the temple. Like he was thanking God for what it is that God had done for him. And also we have to ask ourselves, when God has mercy on us, do we respond to God with worship? And when I say worship, I mean a sense of consistent worship, not just a one-time thing. Sometimes when we are thankful to God for something really, really important that he does for us, and we're so thankful and we're so happy, and we, you know, we, we, we go to church and we pray and we do this, but within a few weeks, maybe this fizzles and this doesn't continue. And this is not the kind of worship that God is seeking. God is not seeking like a one-time worship based on what's happening to me. Because if it's so, then on the days where everything feels good and God is doing good things, maybe I'll want to worship. And then on the days when things are not going so good, I will not run. I will, I will run away from God. I will not worship at all. And I might even be angry toward him. God wants us to be consistently worshiping. Because the greatest mercy that God has for us is not because of a specific event happening in our life that God is fixing or because of a certain illness that I have that God is healing. But it is, it is the spiritual illness that, that we all have. This man's physical illness was a symbol of the spiritual illness that we all have. The spiritual illness of sin that is actually paralyzing me, that is preventing me from growing, that is preventing me from meeting my full potential, that is preventing me from enjoying my life, that is pre preventing me from being the person that God wants me to be. This is a spiritual paralysis and a spiritual illness that I have just like this man. So when God has mercy on me, he has mercy because he is saving me. He has mercy because he's given me the means of salvation, that he has forgiven me, that he accepts me, that he allows me to confess my sin, and that when he hears my confession, he forgives my sin. All of this is a part of the spiritual illness that we have and the mercy that God is giving us, not just one time and not just two times, but constantly, all the time, that God is showing us mercy, that God is giving us second chances, that God is allowing us to continue and to walking. And even though we sin many, many, many times, God allows us to rise up again and he accepts us. So we don't have to walk with a sense of burden. We don't have to walk with a sense of guilt or a sense of fear that maybe we have not been accepted. God accepts us not because we are good. God accepts us because he is good. And so because he is good and because he accepts us, we should be walking with joy and we should be walking with a desire to worship him because of who he is, just as this paralyzed man went to the temple and worshiped God. Another way that we should respond whenever we uh, receive the mercy of God is with thankfulness. If you're familiar with the story where Christ healed 10 lepers from their leprosy, and he told them, go show yourselves to the priest, as was the, as what was the custom, the laws after someone is cured from leprosy, they were to show themselves to the priest. On their way, when they were healed, one of these men, he returned back to Christ, 
to offer him thanks for what it is that he had done. Only one of the ten. And we read about this in Luke 17. It says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. So we should always attribute the good things that God does in our lives to him. Not just to go on with our day as though nothing happened. Not to just, you know, feel good about whatever it is that happened and go on. We should, we should identify that this is God is the one who worked with me. God is the one who healed me. And so I have thankfulness to him. Sometimes it is difficult for us to have thankfulness when we do not receive from God the things that we want. You know, imagine a person who did have leprosy and goes to Christ and yet Christ did not heal their leprosy. Maybe there is a reason why Christ did not heal the leprosy. For instance, there <clears throat> we read about the times that Christ raised people from the dead. But how many times did he not raise people from the dead? There were so many more people dying, maybe that we were not reading about in the scriptures. He did not raise them. Maybe he raised very, 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 very few people in order to demonstrate his power over death. But he didn't raise the majority of people. The majority of people died. So do those people not give thanks to God? Do those people who are ill that Christ did not heal, do they not give thanks to God? All the people that we don't read about in Scripture, that were not having some miraculous event happening to them, or that Christ did not come and touch them and heal them, what about those people? Do those people not give thanks to God? So we are called to always give thanks to God. If we stop giving thanks to God, then we isolate and separate ourselves from Him. And we begin to believe that everything that happens to us is out of control. If I don't learn to give thanks to God, even in the midst of my suffering and my trials, then I believe that those trials are not sent by God or not allowed by God, and I feel like my life is, is aimless or purposeless. Why is it that God is doing these things? Here, this man who was healed from his leprosy, he returned, and he asked God, and he thanked God, and he fell down at his feet. And also, we are called to fall down at the feet of Christ and thank him daily for all the things that he does for us, whether we like it or we don't like it. Another way that we can respond when we experience the mercy of God is through service, a desire to serve God. We see actually Saul, who became St. Paul, when he had this life-changing experience with Christ, what did he begin to do? His life completely transformed and he began to serve God completely. He became consecrated for the service of God. There was nothing else that he was going to do the rest of his life but to serve. And he says what in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So he's saying, what, why am I laboring? Why is St. Paul doing what he's doing? It's because he experienced the mercy of God. He was touched by the hand of God. He experienced the love of God. And, and also we, whenever we experience the mercy of God, it should lead us to want to serve God. It should lead us to ask God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve you? Why are you doing this to me? You want me to do something? I will do whatever it is you call me to do according to the talents you have given me. So we should always be thinking in terms of how do I respond? How do I respond to the mercy? I don't just accept the mercy and be happy and go on my way. There's something I have to respond with. All these things that we're talking about. Finally, the last way that we should respond with the mercy of, to the mercy of God is by being merciful ourselves. King David, he received the mercy from God after sinning with Bathsheba. And we read in Psalm 50, God, uh, Saint, uh, King David's response, his prayer to God and asking him to have mercy on him. And the idea that he was accepted by God even after his sin. 
And we see King David also have mercy on so many people. After this incident that happened with him and Bathsheba and how God had mercy on him, we see him having mercy on so many. One example is when there was a man cursing him. And so King David responded and said, So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David. Who then shall say, Why have you done so? King David had mercy on every person because he himself realized the mercy that he received from God. And so David also had mercy on others. We have to always look at ourselves before we look at those around us. How much have we deserved the mercy of God? We don't deserve. So even those around us who don't deserve our mercy, we should give them our mercy. Not because they have deserved it, not because they have done something to deserve it, but simply because God has had mercy on us first. So in conclusion, in the Beatitudes, uh, Christ says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Our mercy that we show to other people is extremely important. Instead of focusing on our rights, instead of focusing on how other people have hurt me, instead of focusing on what I deserve or my sense of entitlement, of what I am entitled to, God says what? Focus on being merciful to others. Not because those people deserve, not because those people are right, but simply because I, I've had mercy on you, and so you also have mercy on others. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So this, today we read about this paralyzed man whom Christ had mercy on him and he healed him from his paralysis. We also should have mercy on others and respond to God's mercy with all these different ways that we've spoken about. That we should be thankful, we should serve God, we should be merciful. All these ways we respond to God's mercy and we begin to feel really the God's presence in our life as opposed to just receiving from God what we want, kind of like these ten lepers or nine of them that received from God what they wanted and they just went along their way and used whatever it is that they had without returning to be thankful to God. And glory be to God forever. Amen.